Christmas this year seemed to come and it seemed to go by so quickly. And Christmas for most of us is a wonderful, wonderful, joyous occasion. We come together as families. We celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. We share gifts. And if you're part of our family, you overindulge. Maybe eat a little bit too much. My mother-in-law, bless her heart, says to me that the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, and I believe I'm evidence of that. But for others, it's a lonely time. It's a difficult time. In fact, it's a tearful time as we remember those loved ones that used to be with us and have gone to be with the Lord. They're no longer with us. And just after Christmas, just as it comes and just as it goes, we come into a season now where we begin to think, what has 2020 been for us and what is 2021 looking like? For most of us, excluding Gail, we'd like to delete 2020 from our books. We'd like to erase it from our memories. It's been a year filled with trials, challenges, heartaches. It's changed our lives and the world that we live in. What do you do? What do you do when the waves of difficulty come crashing down? on you like violent sea they come and they beat against you what do you do when the wind blows you backwards and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it how do you respond to days of difficulty some people say well God is punishing me there must be something that I've done wrong others tend to blame someone else and they say well it's not my fault I'm here in this situation because of what somebody else has done. And sadly, there's some who blame God. And they question God and they ask question, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do you allow it? Why do you allow me to go through such difficult times? Well, we're reminded in James chapter 1 and verses 2 to 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, that you may be complete and not lacking anything. I want you to hear God's heart in the matter. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, that you may be complete, lacking nothing. That's what God wants for each one of us. Notice that James also says, whenever you face trials of many kinds. He didn't say if, he said whenever. Do you remember Jesus in John 16 and verse 33? He said to his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. But listen to these words. Take heart, take heart, because I have overcome the world. And so the Bible is very, very clear and very specific that we will all face trials. We will all face troubles. And there will be that day of testing. But I think what's encouraging to us all is that God has a purpose in every trial. God has a purpose in every trial or every trouble that we face. And it's in those trials and it's in those troubles that he teaches us very important lessons. Lessons that we could never learn if everything was going smoothly. He gets our attention 
amidst the storm. And so this morning, I want you to use your imagination. We read from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33, about the disciples getting into the boat, and I'm going to give you a bit of background. But today, I want you to think about that one day, that one day in the life of the disciples that changed everything for them. I want you to fasten your seatbelts and put on your safety belt, your safety jackets, because we're going for a ride in the boat with those disciples. The background to this passage was that Jesus heard news that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. And so what he did was he decided to go to a solitary place, to withdraw to a solitary place. But when the crowds heard of this, what did they do? From all the towns, they began to follow him. Now imagine you're in the boat with the disciples and Jesus. You're going up the Sea of Galilee. You're going north. And what do you see? Crowds and crowds of people that are following you. Now when Jesus got to that point and he parked the boat, the Bible tells us he had compassion on them. And he healed all, all that were sick. That's the Savior we're talking about. He healed all that were sick. He had compassion on them. Well, when the evening came, the disciples said to him, Lord, it's getting late. Don't you think we should disperse the crowds and send them home, send them back to the town so that they can buy some food? And Jesus said to him, you provide something for them. Well, they came to Jesus and they said, we only have five loaves of bread and we have two fish. And Jesus said, bring them to me. He lifted them up to heaven. He gave thanks. And he gave them to their disciples to distribute to all those people. And the Bible says that all of them ate and were satisfied. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine getting off that boat, seeing the Lord's compassion, seeing him heal all the sick, and now with five loaves of bread and two fish, feeding 5,000. And all of them ate and they were satisfied. And that was the men only. It excluded the women and the children which would have been many. And so our passage, if you'd like to turn in your Bible, begins in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. And it begins with these words, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and row to the other side. Now I don't know if any of you have been to the Sea of Galilee. If you've been to just out of, outside of town there and you've been to Hardebeer Sport Dam, it's probably something quite similar if you can imagine that in fact it's about 10 kilometers wide and about 21 kilometers long it's deep it's in the jordan valley and it's actually about 200 meters below sea level but it's got these mountains these steep mountains on the side and because of that it's subject to violent violent storms and so jesus sends his disciples Get in the boat and go to the other side. You go to Capernaum. Well, why did he do that? The first lesson that we learn is that Jesus allowed his disciples to enter the storm. Jesus knew that, it, that there was going to be a storm, and yet he allowed his disciples to enter the storm. In John chapter 6, we told when evening came, the disciples got into the boat and they set off across the lake to Capernaum. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. 
And in Matthew 24, we said when the, we see when the boat was a considerable distance from the land, it was buffeted by the wind and the waves. The Greek word for buffeted says that it is, they were under severe stress. They were under severe stress. In fact, the word buffeted means that they were being tormented and tortured by the wind and the waves. The wind was directly against them. It was dark. It was dangerous. And where was Jesus? Jesus was praying. He was praying. It was distressing. It went on for many, many hours. The Bible says... It was the fourth watch when Jesus came out, which would have meant that they would have been there sometime between 3 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock. So they would have been rowing anything from 6 to 9 hours. They would have been exhausted. They would have been tired. They would have been troubled. And some might ask, well, if Jesus really cared about his disciples, then why? Why did Jesus put them on the boat knowing that they would go into the storm? Well, he did that to correct and to perfect their faith. He did that to correct and perfect their faith. You know, there's times where the Lord allows his disciples, even though they're at the center of his will, and they were. They obeyed Jesus. They got in the boat and they rode. They were at the center of his will, and yet he allowed them to go into these times of trouble and distress. And you know, that's a lesson that we too need to learn. There's times when we rebel against God, and we all know the story of Jonah. God came to Jonah and he said, I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh, and I want you to preach. I've heard about their wickedness, and you tell them to repent. And what did Jonah do? Jonah ran in the opposite direction. He got on a boat and he headed off for Tarsus. And what happened? God sent a storm. Why did he send a storm? Because he wanted to bring Jonah back to the place that he needed to be in order to do what he had commanded Jonah to do. And in the same way, God uses storms and difficulties to get our attention, to get your attention, to get my attention. Why? To bring us back to the place that he wants us to be. But something more important is that God reveals himself. And Jesus revealed himself to the disciples amidst the storm. If we had to turn back in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, we would see, okay? We're sitting in the boat with the disciples. We're out on the sea. But I want us to think back to Matthew chapter 9. This is what the disciples would have witnessed. They would have witnessed that he healed the paralyzed man. Remember, they brought the paralytic. And he healed him. What did he say? He said, son, your sins are forgiven. He raised the dead girl back to life. They would have been witnesses to that. Remember the healing of the woman that had been bleeding for 12 years. She just touched the hem of his garment and she was healed. They would have been witnessed to that. What about the two blind men? What about the man who was demon-possessed and couldn't talk? Jesus healed them. And then Jesus involved them in ministry. And when he sent out the twelve, he gave them authority to cast out demons. They had witnessed his power. They had witnessed his authority. And when evening came, and Jesus said to them, go and give them something to eat. We read in Mark what actually also went on. 
They said to him that that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to spend that kind of money on bread and fish in order to give it to them to eat? They questioned Jesus and they looked at their own resources to resolve the problem rather than looking to Christ and his resources. They looked at their own resources and they fell dismally. And so Jesus put them on the lake to test them and to teach them to correct their faith. And sometimes he does that to us. There's a second lesson that we learn here and that is that Jesus never abandoned them in the storm. Yes, he was praying, but he never abandoned his disciples in the storm. It was dark, remember, three, six o'clock in the morning, somewhere around there, it was dark. There was a violent storm. The boat was a distance from land, probably five kilometers away. And guess what? Jesus knew exactly where they were. Jesus never asked for a GPS and said, well, I'll find you with a GPS. He never asked, what are your coordinates? I'll send out the sea and rescue squad. Jesus knew exactly where they were. He knew what they were thinking. He knew what was troubling their hearts. And the truth is that Jesus is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. And he never will abandon you in the storm. The darkness of the night never prevented Jesus from seeing where the disciples were. In Psalm 13, David cried out. He said, how long? How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? I can imagine you rowing in that boat. You're seeing those disciples and they're rowing and they're going nowhere. They must have been tired. And maybe they even thought, well, maybe the Lord has forgotten me. Maybe this morning you feel distant from the Lord. Yes, there's people around, but inside your heart you feel distant from the Lord. You feel that the Lord has abandoned you. You pray, but there seems to be no answer. And in your heart you think, you know, nobody else really understands. Nobody understands where I'm at. But he knows. He knows where you are. He knows where you're hurting. He knows. He knows whether you're going through financial difficulty and whether you're facing financial ruin. He knows when you wonder, how am I going to pay the bills at the end of the month? How am I going to put food on the table? He knows. He knows when you're worried, and we heard that in the children's talk, do not be anxious about anything. He knows when you're worried. He knows if you're worried that you're not going to have a job next year. He knows when you're going through a family difficulty. He knows when there's a relationship crisis and your marriage is struggling. He knows. He knows when you're lonely. He knows when you feel unloved. And the truth is he never abandons us. Isaiah 42 and verse, sorry, Isaiah 43 and verse 2 is a wonderful, wonderful reminder. When you pass through the water, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. 
When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Because he is with us. You know, the truth about Jesus is he doesn't come when we want him to come. We're rowing. Remember, we're with the disciples. We're rowing. Those waves are high. He doesn't come when we want him to come. He comes when the time is right. He comes when there's a time when he can achieve his purpose and his plans in our lives. And this was one of those moments. And so Jesus comes to them walking on water. It was one of those moments. And the first thing he does is he comforts them. He comforts them amidst their, their struggles and their trials. He says, take courage. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. The word it is I is very important. It's very important and it would have had great significance to the disciples. It would have had significance because it would have been translated to I am. Do you remember in Exodus with Moses and the burning bush? What did God say to Moses? He said, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am who I am. He's sovereign. He's Lord. And so when Jesus said to them, it is I, he was claiming that he was sovereign. He was in control. It was one of those moments. So Jesus allows us to go into the storm. He doesn't abandon us. Thirdly, he comes to us. He comes to us and he calls us. That's what happened. He calls us. Peter answered the Lord after he had said, do not be afraid. He says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. Command me to come. What did Jesus respond? He said, come. Come. And so Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water to where Jesus was. He was walking in that direction. You see, Peter was willing to risk everything. He was willing to risk everything, his life. There was danger out there. He didn't know, but he got out of the boat. I don't know if any of you have ever done parachuting. Is there anyone here that's done it? I remember the first time that I had to jump out of the plane, and I see there's a few of you, and you'll know what I'm talking about. There's generally chaos going on in the plane. And as you stand to the door, the instructor says to you, don't look down. You look up. But I can't explain. My eyes were like magnets. They looked down. And then what does he do? He pats you on the shoulder and he says to you, go. And so you leap out of that plane. And as you leap out of that plane and as you are falling down, there's a thousand things that go through your mind. Lots. And one of them is my life is not in my hands. I don't have control over my life right now. And that's what Peter did. He didn't have control over his life. He put his life in Jesus' hands. He put his destiny in Jesus' hands. You see, it wasn't the measure of his faith and how much faith he had. It was the object. Hear this. It was the object of his faith. He trusted in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. 
He trusted Jesus to do what was humanly impossible, and that was to walk on water amidst the storm. Well, we know that when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. And what did he do? He began to sink. And you know, sometimes we replace our faith with fear when we look to our circumstances rather than looking to the Lord to provide. We rely on our own resources rather than relying on his resources. And you know, we get that sinking feeling. I don't know if it's just me, but I've had that sinking feeling when I start to trust in the circumstances and look around. And what did he do? Peter cried out the three most important words that any man, woman, boy or girl could ever cry out. Lord, Lord, save me. Those are the most three important words that can ever be uttered. The Bible is clear that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All. John 3.16, such a beautiful verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But what about John 3.17? John 3.17 says, Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world, Jesus is in the saving business. And you know, when Peter cried out, Lord, Lord, save me, immediately he reached out his hand and he saved Peter. He didn't say, well, Peter, I think we really need to teach you a lesson here. We're going to allow you just to sink a little bit more. In fact, I think that we should let you reach rock bottom. Now that would have been a problem because the Sea of Galilee is very deep. No, Jesus reached out and he saved him. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. That's what his mission was. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Why are we lost? Because of our sin. You know the amazing thing about Jesus was he never calmed the storm when he reached out immediately and he saved Peter. He didn't calm the storm. He saved him and he rebuked him. He said, oh you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And then what did he do? He took Jesus by the hand and he led him back to the boat. The storm was still raging. He took him to that place of safety. They climbed on the boat. And only when they got on the boat did Jesus calm the wind and the waves. The wind and the waves, they died down. And what did the disciples do in the boat? They worshipped him. They fell down and they worshipped him. And we sang those words, we bow down. They bowed down and they worshipped him. And they said, truly, you are the Son of God. And that was the first time that the disciples acknowledged that Jesus was the Son of God. They would have heard those words, I am, I am Yahweh. And they believed. But guess what? It took a violent storm to bring them to the place where they believed that Jesus was the Son of God. What does this passage teach us about Jesus? What does this passage teach us about Jesus? We've spent a day in the life 
of the disciples on that boat. The first thing we see is that Jesus was caring, that he was compassionate. He was compassionate. When he saw those crowds, there was, his heart was full with compassion. Why? Because he loves us with an unconditional love. We also see that Jesus was capable. Nothing, nothing is too difficult for him. Nothing. When he saw them, he healed all that were sick. What else did Jesus do? He cared for those people. He met them at the point of their need. They were hungry and he fed them with just five loaves of bread and two fish. And you as a disciple would have watched him and seen that. Then he commanded them to go on the storm. Why? Because he wanted to teach them. He wanted to correct and perfect their faith. He never abandoned them. You know, Jesus went and what do you think he was doing? He was praying for them. The Bible's clear that we have a great high priest. His name is Jesus. He's seated at the right hand of God. And what is he doing? He's praying for you and me. And as we are in the storm, he's praying for us. What did he pray for his disciples? That their faith would not fail. He comes to us. He knows where we're at. He comes to us. This is the caring Savior that we have. He comes to us and he comforts us. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Take courage. I'm in control. It is I. He calls us. He calls us to risk everything. He's a savior that says, come. The very first worship word that we sung was come, come. And he calls us to come to him. He calls us to risk everything. And you know, when we take our eyes off him, we look at our circumstances, we replace our faith with fear, what does he do? His eyes are still watching us. He doesn't leave us. He's still looking at us. He didn't say, well, Peter, where are you? Where's this voice? He still watched Peter. And as we cry out, as we sink him, he immediately saves us. What a savior, what a Lord. He doesn't necessarily calm the storm at that point. He calms the storm when the time is right, when he's taught us what we need to learn, when we've got to that point where we are mature in our faith and not lacking anything. And then he leads us. He leads us to a place of safety. That's what he does. You know, the desire in Peter's heart was greater than him to sit on the boat and to risk his all. He had a desire in his heart. How does this apply to you and to me? As we look back on 2020 and as we look forward to 2021. You know, the Lord has allowed us to enter a violent storm. And yes, we've learned many things in that storm. And we're still learning. And he's shaken our world. It's a dangerous, destructive storm that he's allowed us to enter and you know it's waves it's waves still keep crashing down we hear about the first wave we hear about the second wave with the spanish flu there was four waves how many waves does the lord need to send in order to get our attention 
The disciples rode and rode for hours and they were tired. And maybe you're tired today. But the word of God comforts us. It says, come, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. They relied on their own strength. They relied on their own skills. Some of them were fishermen. Their own resources, and yet they were found wanting. They were afraid. They needed someone who would rescue them. Rescue them from their difficulties and from their plight. And so do we. And his name is the name that's above every name. His name is Jesus, the Savior of the world. Jesus came to the storm, came right to them in the midst of their storm, and he comes to us in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our storm. He knows where you're at. He knows exactly where you are. And just as he told the disciples, take heart, take courage, it is I. That's what he's saying to us today. Yes, you're in the storm, but take courage, it is I, Yahweh. I'm in control. I have all power and authority. I'm in control. Trust me. Just as he called Peter to get out of the boat, so he calls each one of us today to have that desire to have a deeper walk. Peter wanted to walk to Jesus and walk with Jesus. And that's what he wants us to do as we move into 2021. To leave all, forsaking all, I trust him. It's about trust. He wants us to trust him with everything because he is worthy of our trust. He's the son of God. All power and all authority is his. But it's amazing how comfortable we can get in the boat. Even though those disciples were having great difficulty and they were holding on. When Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if that's you, call me. I didn't hear any of the other disciples say, Lord, can I come also? None of them did. And we get comfortable with where we are. Even though it's difficult. Even though we're living in dangerous times. What is it that is keeping us from letting go? We sing that wonderful hymn, All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. What is it that's keeping us in the boat? Are you happy to stay in the boat or are you looking for change? Are you looking for a change in your relationship with the Lord as we move into 2021? A deeper relationship, a relationship that relies on Him because He is able, He's caring, He's loving, He's patient with you. Sometimes it's idols that we hold on to. There's other things that have got our attention more than what Jesus does. He takes second place. Sometimes it's unforgiveness. We struggle with others and there's unforgiveness and bitterness in our hearts. Sometimes it's sin, secret sin that we hold on to. If we harbor sin in our hearts, the Lord won't hear us. It begins with a call and Jesus says, come, trust me. Trust me in 2021. When he calls us, yes, there will be fear. There will be fear. 
But there's going to be a saviour here, there that's watching you. And when you get that sinking feeling and you say, Lord, save me, guess what? We have the assurance. We have the assurance from God's word that immediately he will reach out and save us. And so the Lord brings storms to bring us back to himself. He uses storms to correct and perfect our faith. He uses storms so that we can have perseverance and that we will be mature in our faith, not lacking anything. That's the heart of God. He wants us to be mature in faith, in trust, not lacking anything. There is a purpose behind every trial and every difficulty. But there needs to be a decision taken in order to obey him. When Jesus said to Peter, come, Peter came. And the same with us, we need to come. Maybe today you've been running from the Lord. You know in your heart that you've been running from the Lord. And today Jesus says, come. Come. Like Jonah, come. I'll put you in a storm and it will be difficult. It will be difficult, but I'm going to take you to the place where I want you to be. But come. Maybe you feel that weight of sin upon your shoulders. It's a weight that you can't carry. Jesus paid for our sin freely on Calvary. Nobody took his life. Jesus came as a babe, yes, but he went to the cross. He took the punishment for our sin. He was spat on. He was beaten. He was whipped. Those nails in his hands, the nails in his feet. He did that for you and for me to pay for our sins. But we need to come to him. We need to repent and we need to believe. If you've never given your heart to Jesus today, and maybe there's some out there that are listening, you need to give your life to Christ today. You need to put your, put your life in his hands and trust him as your Lord and as your Savior. You know, the storm is not over yet, and we know that. The waves of difficulty are still around us. The wind is still blowing. It's battering against us. But as we come to Jesus, we know that he will lead us to a place of safety. And he'll reveal himself to us. Because truly, he is the son of God. And maybe some of us here need to come back to that point. Jesus has used that storm to bring us to that place. Where we need to say, Lord, I need to recommit my life to you today. I need to recommit my life. I need to put my life in your hands. Because you are a loving saviour. You're a capable saviour. You are Yahweh, you're in control. And you need to do that today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the journey that we've traveled along this morning. We've seen that you indeed are a caring Savior. We see that you are compassionate on those people. And Lord, you have compassion on us. You love us. You demonstrated your love on Calvary's tree. Lord, you are capable. Nothing is impossible with you. And Lord, you allow us to go into the storms. Why? Because you love us. You want our faith to be complete. You want us to, to grow. 
to believe. And Father, if we're honest, we confess our sins before you, that sin of trusting our own resources, relying on our own strength, relying on our own intellect and abilities and talents. And Lord, today we would let those talents go and we would come to you. Lord, as we walk into 2021, we know that when we walk with you, there needs to be no fear, only trust. And so, Father, I pray for each one here today that, Lord, we would truly trust you and that we would hold on to you, that you would take us by the hand. And, Lord, that we would get to a place where we truly worship you because you are worthy. You are worthy of all our worship and praise because truly you are the Son of God. You are a wonderful Savior. You are a faithful Lord and a faithful God. And so, Lord, we commit our lives afresh to you as we move into 2021. And, Lord, we pray that you would take all the glory because you are worthy of it in Jesus' name.